0: So call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today.
1: Yo, what's up? This is Jacoby from Papa Roach. This is Ryan Lee. This is Wes. This Gears. is Bob Forth. This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Silver Guy
0: Radio. Radio.
1: yo what's up thank you for tuning in today thanks to humans for bringing us in and thanks to you for supporting the show welcome to sober guy radio we're having a busy morning and a fun morning here uh, at uh, innovations in recovery conference down in san diego california having a damn good time chatting with some good people uh, be sure to check us out at soberguy.com. you can get past episodes there resources you can contact us and you can also help support the show now if you have questions about whether you or a loved one might need some help You can contact Foundations Recovery Network at 877-714-1318. Foundations has nationwide residential and outpatient facilities, and uh, they can provide a confidential assessment and review the best treatment options for you or your loved one. Uh, Let me give you that number one more time. It's 877-714-1318. So I'm excited to bring to you... Uh, For the second time on the show And let me check the episode number If you go back to episode 141 You can hear the first time uh, TJ Woodward joined the show And uh, TJ is a revolutionary recovery specialist Best-selling author Inspirational speaker And awakening coach and uh, he's helped countless people through simple yet powerful teachings and he's also the creator of Conscious Recovery and he's also in my neck of the woods up in the Bay Area, uh, Northern California area. TJ, I wasn't sure if you were going to be here this time, so when you came over to the booth yesterday, I was super pumped uh, to see you, man. So how are you and uh, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Oh, I'm great and thank you. It was great yeah. seeing you yesterday too and so grateful here we are doing this again. I know, man. So much fun the first time with you. Yeah,
1: so what's been up, man? What's been up lately since last time we uh, we chatted?
0: Well, It's actually been a really big year since the last time we talked. My book, Conscious Recovery, was published. The workbook, Conscious Recovery, also was published just a few weeks ago. And I've really launched Conscious Recovery as a much bigger... Uh, modality for yeah. helping people break the cycle of addiction. So I'm just incredibly grateful for what's happened in the past year.
1: Nice. So yeah, you uh, you hooked me up with the book Conscious Recovery. I'm checking it out right now. I'm uh, really anxious to dive into it and the workbook too. And man, dude, like I was saying before we started recording, this is a ton of work. Like there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of... Um, of uh, passion, purpose, all those cool words that we like to use, but that are really true to put something together like this um, uh, and and to help people. So how, what was that process like?
0: Well, you know, I, I really, I appreciate that you're bringing that into the conversation because when I am living on purpose, in other words, when I remind myself very clearly what it is I'm here to do, who I've come here Mm -hmm. to be, and I'm living in that purpose, I find that I have boundless energy. So I have not found anything in this process to be exhausting or tiring. It is a lot of work, but I always remind myself energetically to hold that vibration of like the people that are gonna be helped and how important it was for me in my early recovery, the people that were there for me, that were supporting me, yeah. and how much that transformed my life. And so it's really just reminding myself of who I've come here to be, and that yeah. energy carries me through.
1: Yeah, it's funny how when, you, uh, when, you're, when you're doing something that you really enjoy, it doesn't feel like work, right? And that's that old saying, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna total sla- totally slaughter it right now, but it's something like if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, or something like that. That's, something your grandpa would have told you, or something. That's right, <laughs> it, and it's true. It grandpa is. was right, you know. <laughs> I because <think> he was. <laughs>
0: I used to be in a job that depleted me, and now yeah. that I've been, you know, for over a decade now, I've been working in the addiction treatment field. I've been yeah. working in doing spiritual care, and I am so energized. Yeah. Um, actually, people in my life say, "I don't know how you have that much energy," and I actually know. I love what I do, yeah. and not only. that but there's a deeper purpose in it and that is what really propels me forward what did you do before if you don't mind me asking oh of course yeah Yeah. i I, retail okay for many years then i owned a furniture store i was a furniture designer so it was very very different world and uh 2004 2005 i started listening to that little voice saying there's something different yeah doing spiritual work Helping people break the cycle of their addiction. So from that day until now, I've really shifted that. That's a that's a whole conversation we could have about.
1: Yeah, no, and I, it's it's really interesting to me. And I, and um, you know, just to relate to that a little bit, I did drywall before I got sober, before I got into doing the work that I do now, and um, it was that same feeling, just really unfulfilling. And I was doing it for a paycheck. I had a daughter at the time, and so just you know, really trying to do what I had to do, um, but. What I'm trying to get out of you I guess or ask you what does that transition into that look like you talked about that little voice going on right because I know there's other people out there listening who have something special that they want to jump on but they don't know how the hell to start so like where does that come in you, you transfer into um, listening to that little voice and actually taking action to go after it
0: yeah I it's really amazing because I didn't even remember But I had this existential career crisis when I was in my late 20s, and I took a career class, and we did the Myers-Briggs test, and it said, worst possible careers, and it was what I was doing, retail (laughs) management. (laughs) Imagine that. And so I'm like, oh, well, no wonder. I'm so unhappy, right? And so I remember at that time looking at some different options, and we had to write this work-life autobiography. And I really put that away for many, many years. And in that work-life autobiography, it said... What I really, if I could do anything, what I'd really wanna do is help people awaken spiritually, help people with their addictions, help people live a more fulfilling life. But I didn't do that immediately. I just kind of shifted. To a different kind of part. I I said I want to be more creative, so I did more creative work. But it wasn't until I really started doing a meditation practice and a deeper meditation practice where I could start having that voice not be the small voice but become more of the voice, right? In recovery, we talk a lot about the voices in our head, right? The committee, like those old beliefs, those old ideas, those old tapes, if you will. This is something really different, right? And when I was used to listening to those negative voices in my head, I couldn't hear the deeper, more intuitive voices. It wasn't until I really started a meditation practice where I could start listening to that, and it took me a while to, to yeah. answer it, but I was definitely hearing it as more, more and more of the, the louder voice.
1: Yeah, and the, med- the meditation practice, that's something well I just said the word practice right and I, I love and you have an event coming up with uh, with Noah Levine out in San Francisco. Um, what's the name of it again?
0: Yeah it's the modality, modality yeah. recovery conference and it's uh, uh, Noah Levine myself and elevate treatment coming together to change the dialogue to be in a new conversation about recovery uh, in, in you awesome. know looking at how spiritual and holistic practices help us break the cycle of addiction I'm so incredibly grateful yeah that's for gonna this. Be event. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I hope to be able to, uh, to make it out to it um, is, it, well, well, back to the meditation thing, though, and the, and the practice. It doesn't happen overnight, but, um, I, you know, I'm finding that even the, the shitty meditation practices I have in the morning, because they're not very good because I'm just not good. at it. I haven't had a lot of practice at it, but for me, it's about showing up and just and making the effort and even that alone does something in my brain so how long has it taken you and your practice to kind of um get to where you somewhat know what the what the hell you're doing
0: <laughs> well it, it's i love this conversation yeah. because i spent so many years thinking and saying i don't know how to meditate i don't yeah. know how to do this and somewhere along the line i can't remember there was a moment that i heard someone say the intention of meditation is not to quiet the mind and i thought wait a minute that's what i've been doing for a decade yeah. and it wasn't really working so well. It, this is what it really looked like. I would sit down and I would say, OK, mind, shut up, shut up, shut up. And it yeah. would get louder and louder and louder. So this teacher shared that it really is about witnessing and observing the mind, becoming curious. Hmm. And as soon as I heard that, I ch- the practice changed for me. I thought, well, I can sit in silence for 10, 15 minutes and notice my thoughts, notice my feelings, notice how I am in my body. And that shifted everything. And then I became more and more aware. And then, of course, the greatest paradox is once I started doing that on a regular basis, I have had plenty of moments where it does feel like I drop in and the mind gets quiet. Yeah. So it wasn't in that I was trying to get the mind to be quiet. It was more that I was learning how to be with what is the practice of absolute, absolute acceptance of this moment.
1: So you're actually, um, cause I always thought that too, I'm, I need to sit here and I need to turn off, which there is, there is a, there's a, a piece to that but it's more or less about allowing those thoughts to come in and be okay with them right that's kind of what you're saying it'd be able to sit where i'm at right now um and uh, and, and I, the one thing i love too is not taking the stuff personal like not taking my thoughts personal, yeah. Um, and I, I'm not great at it yet, but it's what part of that is um, is is huge for you?
0: Well, I think in, in terms of looking at it through the addiction lens, uh, addiction really may be overly simplistic to say it this way, but it's it's not being able to be present with what is, right? It's me trying to find yeah, something outside myself point. to shift this moment whether it's an emotion that's too painful, whether it's a situation happening, whether it's a thought pattern, yeah, it's too painful so I wanna numb it out or I wanna escape. So yeah. that's why mindfulness is such an incredible practice for people in recovery, because it teaches us to be present with it. In other words, I can say, how am I feeling physically in this moment? Is there any physical discomfort? Can I sit here for a few minutes anyway? Yeah. You know What are these thoughts? And then we can become curious about them. And ultimately where I landed with it is I recognized there was an observer within me that we could call pure awareness that was beyond my physicality, beyond my thoughts and beyond my emotions. That's that deeper spiritual place. And I began to cultivate a relationship with that. And from there I could witness the thoughts. In other words, we have thoughts, we're not our thoughts. Yeah. As long as I believe I am my thoughts. Wow. That is a very interesting life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's for
1: sure. And uh, I heard, I think it was Noah refer to the mind and I don't know if he coined that. I'm sure, you know, probably way before him, but I heard him say about, instead of referring to it, well, my mind, this, my mind, that, and I've done that for so long. And then I kind of step out away from it, say the mind, and it puts a whole new twist on it.
0: Yeah. Um, and what he's speaking to is, is ancient wisdom. Yeah. Where there there is the individual human mind, we we could say with a small m, and then divine mind or a consciousness mind that we yeah. tap into, that you know we could call source energy, life force, whatever word yeah. we use, and we recognize that that is something so much bigger than our individual uh, personal experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Um, so, what if you don't mind me asking too? What is your what is your personal kind of um, uh, mindfulness meditation recovery. I just wanna give folks an example of what something um, that, you know, somebody who has some practice with it looks like during the, during a, a normal day.
0: You know, my practice is very, it, it's really shifted a lot. Yeah, so, <clears throat> and <it's> changing. so <laughs> I recognize, just like you said, it's a practice, and at one point, after doing a lot of more formal meditation, a lot of time in the silence, some silent retreats, Yeah. Uh, doing, I did a lot of chanting at one point, I really loved that, you know, very uh, Hindu chanting was something uh-huh. that really uh, helped me kind of wake up. I recognized that practicing was really meditation. Practice was a practice of how to be in the world. Hmm. So I started asking myself the question, can I be in the meditative state in the world? Well, what does that mean? That means absolute presence. Yeah, in the L- moment. In the moment, listening and feeling those more subtle energies It's the way we connect with one another. You know, you and I have this heart connection right yeah. now as we're speaking, only uh, 90, only 10% of communication is verbal, the rest is nonverbal, and most of it is really an energetic. So, be, my mindfulness practice now, or at least my intention, is to be <laughs> yeah. in mindfulness every moment of my day. Yeah. What? In the moment, Yeah. And yeah. What, what happens is I'll notice myself slip away from that and pull myself back. So that's yeah. really more my practice now. Of course, I do have also a few minutes in the silence in the beginning of my day and the end of my day. But yeah. more than that now, it's more about being meditation in the world. So you mentioned chanting.
1: What is the, well, I don't, I don't know if purpose is the right word, but what is like the psychology behind chanting? Like, what does that do for spirit, for mind? Um, is there anything behind that?
0: Well, there's multiple ways to answer that. One is it gives the mind something to focus on, right? Ah, That's why um, mantras in the Eastern tradition, if we can repeat a phrase over and over and over again, it allows the mind to engage in that, and then we might be able to kind of be able to witness that and not believe that we are our thoughts. I also think there's something really powerful being in a room with people with shared intention. Music is so powerful. We know that, like any of us who've been to a club and everyone's in that same energy. And so when when we're doing sacred music, it's like, we're there with that shared intention of opening our hearts, of connecting with ourselves and, and divine mind, if you will, and yeah. each other. So I think it's, it's, there's, it's multifaceted and then there's always a meditation period as well.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. So you just answered a really cool question for me and my wife, and I'll give you the example why here. So, uh, and it's a, it's actually, it relates to it just, just great. Um, we were, our room is, is right by the deck. So we, we can literally go out of our room here and we can go out on the deck and we can see out to the ocean. Well it just so happens same as last year they're doing the navy seal budge training right there right and they're out there and they're chanting and my wife looks to me and she goes, why do you think they chant? And I said, you know, I'm not really sure. Probably morale, something along those lines. But you really just answered that in the fact of it is. It's it's building up. You're coming together as a people and you're helping to stay focused on something uh, through a really, really treacherous, difficult time. I mean, these guys are holding rafts above their head and just bouncing out in the water and coming back in. It was, it was crazy stuff, but really, really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just also sitting with what I recognize in chanting when we're in a a room full of people with that shared intention is we get to experience our oneness more. You know, Mm. we really see ourselves as a separate self or we get taught that we're a separate self and yet we also know on some level that we're all one. We're all not only connected, but there's oneness and the more meditation we do, the more we get to feel that not as an idea or a concept, but an experience. And then that, to me, is like that's that's. Um, if, if we're going to look at it as a prize, of course, that's an addictive thought, right? There's yeah. some gold medal <laughs> at the end of this. Yeah, yeah. But the benefit, if you will, for me is because you know we, we often say what are the benefits of mindfulness? You know, peace of mind, calm, less anxiety. Sure. There's something much deeper for me, and that is remembering the deepest truth of who I am, ah, I and see. that deeper truth is a recognition of the oneness that we are, and you know. People ask, is it possible to walk around that way all the time? I think it is. Really? Yeah. That's... Yeah, it is. And that, and some of us also forget and bring ourselves back. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I want to ask you one more question regarding uh, mindful mindfulness or meditation. Then we're going to jump into conscious recovery because I'm stoked to talk about that. Um, for someone out there who is new to meditation or they've heard of it, they, they don't know how to really start. Like what's some advice you could give them um, a good takeaway to where they could literally, um, you know, finish this episode and go meditate or at least
0: uh, at least attempt it. I'm actually going to offer three things. Okay, perfect. One is I want to invite anyone who's listening right now that Sorry. believes they cannot do meditation to flip that to a question. So rather than saying, I don't know how to meditate, or I can't sit still, or I don't know how to quiet my mind, you might say, what would it take for me to try this? Who, want, who might I connect with that might help me? Uh, what book might I read that would help open me up to this? So that's the first thing. The second thing is there's multiple different types of meditation. Yoga is a powerful meditation practice. It engages the body, mind, and spirit. Uh, There are movement meditations. There's walking meditations. You know, so there are different ways to meditate. So if someone's really new to it and they're listening, it doesn't have to mean you sit for twenty minutes in silence. Yeah. The third thing is, I think meditation in a group setting is the most powerful way to learn. Yeah. It helped me so much in the beginning. I tried to do it on my own. I remember, like I said, I was sitting down in my living room. (laughs) Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. Yeah. It was it was torture. And I started going around other people that were meditating. And it helped because when I was in that shared energy, it helped me to be able to practice more and more. So those are the three things I'd offer.
1: That's uh, that's funny that you brought that up because I went to a, um, a refuge meeting uh, for the first time with my homie Dave up in Sacramento. And that was how we started was 20 minutes Completely silent with the group, and I had never done that before. And it was—I found myself peeking, you know, at times and going, "Okay, wait, stop! I got to kind of focus back." It was a great experience, but um, you know, I, it's—it's very—you got to practice at it. That's for sure. You
0: know? Absolutely, start and, somewhere. And, <laughs> and that's why I'm so grateful for Noah Levine and for for Refuge Recovery, yeah. bringing in one of the voices of bringing in a new paradigm in recovery. And there's meetings yeah. all over the world now, and they always start with 20 minutes of silence. And yeah. some people might feel a little intimidated by that. And it's simply this, I would ask this question, what might happen if I go into a room and give it a try?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I like that question. Who knows, you know, check it out. So let's, uh, let's jump into conscious recovery, man. Um, a fresh perspective on addiction. Um, when, when did you start writing this?
0: I would say I started writing it about two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Cause this is always a process with a book.
1: Um, take us through some of the, some of the content. I mean, what's it about?
0: Yeah. So conscious recovery really began with a question and that question is what if underneath all addictive behavior, there is an essential self that is whole and perfect. What if spiritually we are whole and perfect underneath any behavior? I've been working in the addiction treatment field for a decade, and what I see is a lot of the modalities treat symptoms and behaviors. Conscious recovery is inviting us to look deeper into the root causes that drive addictive behavior. And in that way, it's really about returning to that place of wholeness. So it's not what do we need to learn, what do we, it's about what we need to unlearn. What questions can I ask to let go of all of those beliefs and ideas that keep me limited yeah. and stuck?
1: Yeah. The unlearning of things that we've been, uh, kept, I mean, because as a kid, we just do what we're told, right? We don't. So we're really like I was programmed from a young age. And so I take a lot of that programming into my adult years and man, it could be a recipe for disaster if we don't start, I mean, you know, doing some work on that. So. Um, what, what about the workbook? So how does the workbook kind of accompany um, um, the book?
0: The workbook came out, well, so, so to back up a little bit, yeah. my first book, Conscious Being, uh, came out uh, 2015, and I partnered with my friend and colleague, Dr. Adria- Adriana Popescu, to create some, uh, an addend- uh, at the end of each chapter, some interactive processes and exercises that would help someone take the spiritual principles and bring them to life. So when I wrote Conscious Recovery, I went back to her and said, would you be willing to do that for this next book? And of course, it was a yes. She's very passionate about this work as well. And then we created the workbook from that. And we expanded upon it because it's a journey that someone can go through that will really take them through all the principles and the practices of conscious recovery and into their own life. I'm working individually with a client right now, and we're going through the book, and it probably will take us I'm gonna say about six to nine months to get all the way really? through it. We're not rushing, we're not pushing through it. She's in a stable situation in her life yeah. and wants to go deeper.
1: How do, you, um, how do you kind of balance your own recovery and then doing the work thing too? Cause I know that's always, you know, it's great because like we talked a little bit earlier, we love what we do, but at the same time, um, you kind of gotta be able to separate that, especially when you're working with other people. Like what's your take on that?
0: I, you know, I, I've been in recovery almost 32 years now. I'm really in, so incredibly grateful for that. Yeah. What recovery has meant to me has shifted, you know, over the years, of yeah. course. You yeah. know, it's, nothing is, is uh, stagnant. I actually see working with people in the addiction field is the number one thing that really brings my heart into alignment with my own recovery yeah. you know that's that's the thing I'm the most grateful for you know I, I on every Wednesday for the last five years I have facilitated four 90 minute groups and, and I also see a client or two individually and people ask, how do you do that? That's yeah. like really intense. I feel more spiritually energized by the end of those Wednesdays than anything else I could ever imagine. Yeah. You know, it's like, yes, I just work 12 hours doing some really deep work with people, but I feel more and more energized. Obviously there's balance. You yeah. know, I also like to take <laughs> care of myself. Yeah. There, there's this body temple that we have to take care for of sure. as well. Yeah. yeah but that, sure. it, The work is really energizing for me. Yeah.
1: Um, What about, um, the? uh, you do a lot of work in uh, LGBT community. And um, what what does the recovery community look like from from within, from that perspective?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because in my book, Conscious Recovery, I I identify the three deep spiritual root causes. I think we spent more time on this in the last episode. Yeah. So I'll just touch on them. And that is uh, unresolved trauma, spiritual disconnection, meaning we disconnect from that child self you know that pure self we came in as that spiritual self and then toxic shame a sense of feeling broken so with the lgbt community anyone that i know that know that has grown up as an lgbtq person in our culture automatically that's a traumatic experience there's automatically disconnection and toxic shame you know you talked about the programming that you received and we all receive that some of it is probably loving and uplifting. A lot of it is not so much so. And so we, you know, really do need to unlearn. So with yeah. LGBTQ folks, if anyone's listening right now, you know, I, I know what it's like to feel judged. I know what it's like to feel like there's something fundamentally wrong with you or being yeah. told that and the impact of that. So I think. Like any other human being, it's important for us to do that work of unlearning. The yeah. workbook really focuses on asking questions that help us to dislodge all the, you know, I call it the BS, the belief systems yeah. that <laughs> we've been downloaded you yeah. know, and how do we unlearn all of that and begin to question that so we yeah. can return to that place of wholeness. And that is yeah. true for all of us, LGBTQ, anyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that's a great point and just, just in general. Um, nobody wants to feel like that man like they don't belong or they don't like like you said there's something wrong with me um how do you kind of get do you well i guess do you get over that by speaking out about you know no matter what no matter what you are or who you are or where you're from or it doesn't matter but um even just a, a, an addiction like i remember the day that i finally said like i have a problem like i need some help and i it didn't do anything, but that weight was just so the admission, I guess, of what it is. I mean, what's your what's your take on that? Yeah,
0: I mean, what we're really talking about is shame, right? Shame. Yeah. Shame yeah. thrives in silence and secrecy. Yeah. And when you when you look at LGBTQ folks, for example, there's a lot of shame there because a lot of people have internalized there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And when the way we work with shame is we bring it into the life in a safe way. In Conscious Recovery, the second part of the book is Breaking the Cycle of Addiction. The first chapter, I talk about creating safety, internal and external safety, so that we can begin the unlearning process. Got it, got so, it. So, you know, identifying that those cultural downloads that we received is an important first step. Yeah. How we begin to disconnect. Now, addiction is looking for something outside of ourselves to try to fix that which feels broken internally. Yeah. So recovery is being able to do the work from the inside out. So it is important to speak to it. Even more important is to be able to acknowledge it to ourselves. What's next for
1: you, man? What is, You're a busy dude, so you have lots going on. Um... I
0: I have some big visions you know I've recently also the thing I didn't tell you that's a really big deal that since we did the last show I am now my spiritual community in Oakland is now part of the Agape International Spiritual Center with Reverend Michael Beckwith I don't know if you know who he is but he's a frequent guest on Oprah and he's an amazing spiritual being he started uh, Agape International Spiritual Center in 1986 He's held a vision that he wants to have other centers around the country. He selected us as the first one.
1: Oh, nice. So we are very blessed.
0: So that's happening. That's growing. In terms of conscious recovery, my intention is to have our curriculum and our workbook being in as many treatment programs as possible. I want to be on the forefront of being one of the many voices that is changing the treatment paradigm. And what I mean by that is very simple. Rather than looking at what's broken here... We're gonna look at what is whole and perfect here, yeah. not what do we need to learn, but what we need to unlearn. Yeah. So it's, it's really, conscious recovery is a new modality, and that's yeah. why this conference coming up on the 20th with Noah Levine is the Modalities Recovery, or the Modality Recovery Conference, yeah. looking at more holistic ways to treat addiction, looking through this lens of wholeness rather than brokenness.
1: Then. That's going to be it. How'd you, how'd you hook that up? Where'd that stem from that, that event? Because um, that's, that's really, really cool. You're going to be doing some speaking. Are you going to have sessions too? Like any meditation sessions or anything like that?
0: So this is the first of many, this yeah. is the first annual. So what this year is going to look like is it's going to be a great lunch opportunity yeah. to connect with people in the field. And then we're going to, um, I'll speak for an hour. Noah will speak for an hour approximately. And then after that, we'll have just opportunity to, con- to connect Uh, And, you know, everyone that comes to the event is going to get a free copy of Conscious Recovery and a chance to have a conversation with us ongoing. What I see happening with this conference is that it will become a one day, a two day where we're going to have breakout sessions. I want to also speak for a moment about the uh, sponsor of the event, Elevate, Elevate Recovery Services. They are amazing. Uh, in the Santa Cruz area in Watsonville, yeah. uh, they are a mindfulness based treatment program for many years have been around, and they also know that mindfulness is such an important part of recovery. Yeah. So it's just this natural partnership of really shifting the conversation into how some of these holistic practices can help people break their cycle of addiction.
1: Yeah, man, that's really, really cool. I love the um, I love the um, you know just the organicness of it, I guess. you know, you know it's right when it happens like that too. Uh, so, if folks want to get more um, information about the event, about conscious recovery, uh, they want to reach out to you. I mean, where can they do that?
0: TJwoodward.com, best place to uh, reach me and really take a look at everything that I'm doing. You can also go to consciousrecovery.com to learn more about conscious recovery, conscious recovery method. If you're someone who works with people in the, in the addiction space, if you're someone that has clients that are working through addiction, the Conscious Recovery Workbook. I really intend to be a tool that will help people a lot break that cycle.
1: Right on, man. And I'll, I'll put all of those uh, uh, links in the show notes, folks, for those of you out there listening. And then be sure to go back and check out episode 130. Let's see. was it 131? I'm going to scroll down here and find it. 141. Yeah, 141. I'll put that link in there too because um, we've had a couple good chats now, man, and it's, it's great to see you and congrats on the book, the workbook, um, it, all these cool... I mean, a lot of cool things happening, man. It's, it's crazy what happens when you just say like... I'm going to go for it just yeah. dive in and just get after it. And obviously I've been doing it for a long time. So yeah. Thank good you stuff, so much. Man. Yeah. This thank has you.
0: been really fun as always. I love being in this conversation.
1: Yeah. Thanks TJ. Uh, thanks for tuning in today, guys. Uh, um, go to that for more information, resources, all that good stuff. Uh, once again, we're coming to you live from innovations and in recovery in San Diego, California. Peace, love, respect, and keep your blood clean.